Anything combat with Johnny K. Well, it's anything combat, though. Welcome back, combatants, to the Anything Combat Show, where we discuss everything mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Johnny K, and today we're joined by a professional MMA fighter. He's a black belt under Daniel Gracie, trains at Kill Cliff. Please welcome Duko Tukos. How are you today, Duko? I'm good, brother. How are you, man? Good. How'd you get the name Tuko? It's actually my middle name. My dad actually gave me that middle name. It's from an old cowboy movie, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Clint Eastwood. He's I've one seen of them. That. Yeah, my dad gave me that name. That's just the name I've used since I was a young boy, you know? I'm confused, bro. If you're Greek, how do you have a middle name? Bro, so I'm only half Greek. My dad's Greek. My mum is uh, Brazilian. But I'm born and bred in London, so I'm a bit of a mongrel mixed up. So I have cultures and bloodlines to the mix you know i'm a i'm a born and bred londoner i'm greek brazilian but i live in america now so i'm mixed up that's out of control what region or like island or mainland did your family originate from in greece because my family's from limnos all right so my granddad's side is the grecian side and i believe they're mostly from athens and then my grandma is from the island of cyprus she's greek cypriot so I'm, um, again, mixed up even more. My mother, when I said, oh, I'm interviewing Yorios Dukos, she said, she said, that's a, that's a Cypriot. That's the yeah. first thing she said. So uh, why would she say that? Do you know? Is the name common in Cyprus? No, no. I've never met anyone else with the name. Apparently, it's a rare name. Maybe she just knows. I don't know. Um, when did your family relocate to London? I think... Both my parents are born in London, but I think my grandparents all went there in the 60s and shit. I don't know. I they all, can't even ask them. <laughs> I've got an interesting question for you. So when did you start? Did you, Have you ever done scuba diving or have you ever surfed? I've done scuba diving maybe once or twice in like Thailand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I saw that Instagram post. You were in the scuba gear. So was that that? Well, I've done scuba diving like deep under like a couple of times in Thailand. And then another time I um, I went under just with great white sharks in like a cage. And I'd done a Rubik's Cube while I was under the water in the cage. And there was great white sharks like knocking into the, <laughs> yeah, random. Tell me about your Thailand trip. When did you go there? How often did you go to Thailand? I've spent like two years of my life in Thailand. The first time I went there was like 10 years ago. When uh, at my jiu-jitsu academy, there was a guy there called Josh Palmer, a Canadian guy who had a lot of Muay Thai fights. He was like, man, you've got to get out to Thailand. So I just went out there, bro, for like two months. Um, loved it, trained a bunch of different gyms. And then I started going like more and more. I'd stay for three months, a couple of times, like six months. And I just spent a lot of time out there. I love Thailand, man. So much so that I had to leave because it's like you end up, you're like, oh, I'll be there forever if I don't leave. Really? Like how long do you stay there for? So being British, I think we you get like 30 days where you can stay without a visa, like on a tourist entry. Um, but you could go to the consulate before you went and get a 60-day a visa. And then while you were there, you could extend it more and more. Like you could keep going back and just paying the money and they give you like another 30 days or 60 days. So I just used to do that, man. Yeah, that sounds out of control. What Elinico Cafe do you like the most? Bro, I don't actually drink coffee. I know that's crazy, that's a sin. I'm a Greek, I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't drink coffee. Like, I like what? a frappe. I like a frappe now and then, 
like if I'm in a hot country, but I don't, uh, I don't drink coffee, man. It's crazy, right? I actually can't believe. Well, you're an athlete at heart. I thought maybe he, this guy would have been into his uh, cigars. My dad always said to me, he's like, son, you're Greek. Don't get into drink and smoking and drugs because you'll be addicted <laughs> to gambling. He's like, it's in your blood. Like, All right, I'll just stay away from that shit. <laughs> it's actually hilarious because my family, they're not the most Greek people, but I feel myself gravitated to fucking sports bet. Yeah, dude, I love it. <laughs> now it's good because the UFC, like I corner so many guys and then I fought for Road to UFC, which is the UFC. Um, and they sent out a bunch of emails saying like, look, if you fought in the UFC, if you're a coach, a teammate or on the team of anyone, you can't bet. So now we can't bet, but we, they still let you work. Uh, with sponsors like uh, me and my boy Brendan Allen, we put out a video for every pay per view uh, with our picks for the fights, you know. But they said you can't bet on like your own teammates, like no one you're involved with. So they have some strict rules around that. That's bullshit, though. Like, imagine and, if your imagine if your teammates like an underdog, and you just have a feeling, you just know that he's gonna fucking run through someone. Like Strickland, like. Yeah. All of Strickland's team, they didn't have a doubt about the leg kicks and all the rest of his game plan. They they had zero doubt that he was going to check the leg kick. He was going to not check. Sorry, fuck that. Yeah. That he was going to check the leg kicks, march him down, and just fuck him. Yeah. And then look what happened. He dominated him. That was like paying I don't know six seven dollars or something per dollar. Like yeah. people would have cashed up on that. In our video, bro, if you go to my Instagram and look on the reels, we we picked Strickland because we just had a feeling as well. We knew he was gonna he was gonna pull that one out of the bag. Yeah, I did not pick him. I thought that that performance was gonna be uh, done by Drickus Duplessis. I thought Drickus was gonna run through Izzy like that. I did not see Sean doing it. So damn, I'm what was opposite? Like I got history with both those guys because like. My boy Brendan, he fought Strickland like three years ago. I cornered against Correct. him. And we had a bit of an ongoing like beef with Strickland for a few years. <laughs> it went on for like a while. And like we even had a little brawl at a UFC PI with him. Um, yeah, there's a video somewhere. There's a guy called Jeremiah Wells. He's in the UFC. I he know was, that guy. That's my boy. He's from Philly. He was sitting in the lounge area at the PI. And he has a video, but he just won't release it. But there's a video of uh, Sean Strickland and Brendan Allen getting into it because they had this ongoing beef for like a year after they fought. Even after they fought? Yeah, it, they didn't know each other before. The fight was on like five days' notice. Uh, we he Brendan was supposed to fight Ian Hynish, right? And it was COVID days and Ian got uh, COVID like on the Friday because they tested you after the weigh-ins. And then the, the test result doesn't come back till the next day. So Brendan like had his fight kit on, ready to go to the apex to fight Ian Heinish, and he gets a call saying, uh, "Ian's tested positive for COVID. Your fight's off." He's like, "Damn!" Flies back to Florida. Then they offer him Sean Strickland, who hadn't even—that was his debut at. Uh, no, maybe it wasn't the debut. That was like his second fight or third fight at middleweight. So Brendan's like, "All right, yeah, I never heard of the guy. I'll fight him." Flies back to Vegas on a Monday, I think or the Tuesday, and fight Strickland on four or five days' notice, um, which looks good now. It was at a catch weight, though. I think it was at one... Yeah, I looked, I looked at topology, and I saw there's so many weight discrepancies in Sean's career. He fought 170, 185, 
like 190, 205. 205. So just just quickly, is is that the fight that Sean won via TKO? Am I mistaken? Yeah, it was. I think in the second round, I was in the corner, but Brendan, I think, was winning the first round. And, like, he had Sean backing up, was calf kicking him. Like, Sean wasn't as confident as he is now. But it's so interesting because Brendan was, like, 23 or 24 years old then. He was so young. And now, years later, it would be, I think it would be a different fight. But uh, anyway, after that fight, Sean was acting a bit crazy. He was having like his Colby era where he was trying to just get noticed. And he was saying shit. And he said shit that kind of got on the bad side of Brendan. So they were going back and forth for like a year. Um, and then Brendan was scheduled to fight. Uh, when did we see him? Either the Puna fight or the Chris Curtis fight. We were at the PI and we see Strickland and he walks by. And Brendan like stares him down and then they get into it and it becomes like a big mosh pit in the PI <laughs> lobby. <laughs> no. did, did people throw punches? I think there were a few like arms thrown, but there were so many people got in the middle of it. What but about I, you? You're Greek. Didn't you jump in and start hoodoosing everyone? Uh, I just stood behind Brendan because he said, if I see him, just let us fight. Like, don't do anything. So I was like, all right. <laughs> I just stood right behind him because Strickland was on his own. So I was like, all right, it's a fair fight. A one-on-one. I'm not going to do nothing. But, yeah, I need to get a video from Jeremiah Wells. You can put that out there and pressure him to leak that video. He has it somewhere. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. Tell me about Jeremiah. How? When did you start working with him? What is he like? He went on that really big win streak. I think yeah. he recently lost but he but he did go on a massive win streak at welterweight which was highly impressive so tell me about yeah. him so i've got a connection with the guys in philly i go up there and train with them in the summers um i know a lot of people up there great team um they, they put something in the water in philadelphia man those guys are just different they're tough obviously they have a rich history of boxing american football so they're like they have that sports culture up there <coughs> but that gym uh, it was formerly Daniel Gracie team. Daniel Gracie was there. He now moved to uh, Vegas. Now it's John Marquez, my guy, one of the most underrated striking coaches in the game. Um, he's so good, but he's not just a striking coach. A lot of gyms just have coaches that do one discipline. Like his background is striking, but the way he teaches, there's days he teaches and you might you might be like, damn, this guy's just a pure MMA coach. Or like, he's making all his guys grapple. Um, yeah, John Marquez. It's now Marquez MMA. So you've got Sean Brady up there, Joe Pyfar, Andre Petrosky, Pat Sabatini, Jeremiah Wells. And they have a bunch of amateurs as well that are killers up there. That's uh, actually a good team now that you mention it. That's a lot of big names. Yeah, and for a while, they were unbeaten. They were like 15-0 and 0 in the UFC. They'd never lost a fight. Because um, Sean was undefeated for a very long time, correct? Yeah, I think they have three losses now, but they're still like maybe 25 and three in the UFC or something across five guys, which is crazy record to have. Um, yeah, they're just beasts up there and they're good guys, man. They got, and Joe Pyfar, my boy, he's about to fight a co-main event against Abdul Razak. That'll be a banger, man. Yeah, I just recently watched his fight. I, I, I go back and I go on Wikipedia and look at every single fight that I hadn't, haven't watched in the last, like, 10 years. And one of them was the Gerald Mearshart, Joe Pfeiffer fight. And, uh, dude, he fucking, he fucking destroyed him, man. 
funny story. So Gerald's my boy. I was in the corner for that fight for Gerald. Like, I, I walked... see. So you on the opposite side. It's so weird. I'm always caught in the middle. But like, I walked in the gym and Gerald, obviously, he's at Killcliffe now. And uh, Henry Hoof, my head coach, he was like, hey, you're cornering Gerald next week. And I was like, but he's fighting my boy. He's like, so what? It's business. Like, you can have a beer after. <laughs> Damn. But I called Joe. I was like, let me call him. I said, Joe, they asked me to corner against you, bro. Like, I don't know what to do. He's like, oh, no, it's no problem. He's like, it's what it is. It's not going to affect the outcome of the fight. So, he, and he did what he was going to do, yeah. And after the fight, it was weird because I saw him in a cage and uh, hugged him and he held on to me for like 15 seconds. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Why are you hugging this guy? He just knocked out your fight. <laughs> but I was like, where is my boy? You don't know. Put in the middle. Even like Drickus, I've trained with Drickus, you know. Um, when, a, when did you meet Drickus? Drickus started coming to Florida back in like 2019. He'd come to uh, the old gym, Hard Knocks 365. Uh, yeah. He was at welterweight then. He was a KSW champ. Yeah, he, he just fought beat... uh, Roberto Soldich at that point. Who's also my boy. He, he's also my boy. Uh, Dude, why do you know everybody? I don't know, bro. I just know everyone. It's weird. I've trained with everyone. That's what I said to you before. I was like, I've literally trained with everyone, bro. And a little Easter egg before we get into it, because it's a topic I've written down. You also know Anthony Joshua somehow. So I don't know him that personally. Like I'm I know, I know. I just wanted to bring it up, pull your leg. Run-ins with him, but he's from like I'm from Northwest London. He's from the same area. And Anthony Joshua, a lot of people don't know. Like I know people who know him really well. And, uh, I see. He's actually, he's actually a legit guy. Like, like he has a lot of street cred. Like, it, people call him Anthony Joshua, but I think he, he used to just go by his name, Femi, like his African name. And uh, apparently, I, I haven't seen it myself, but a lot of people that I trust have said he used to punch a lot of guys up. Like, he was known on the street, and he was a he was a solid guy. Um, We'll get back into that. We'll get back into that. That sounds out of control, but let's just focus on Pfeiffer real quick. That's somebody that we actually have to look out for in the middleweight division. There's so many contenders that people don't know about at middleweight, i.e. like like Brendan's coming up. You got Bo Nichols getting popular. Um, yeah. Ikram Alaskarov is your friend as well. Yeah, so there's so many middleweight guys and one dude that people don't know about, like, you need more information on these fighters to really get a conclusion of whether they're going to do well or not. And from everything that I've seen at Pfeiffer, he's got all the attributes of someone that should do well. It's about the skill level now. So it's about how hard he's going to work. And I don't think, I don't think there's a situation where if he doesn't, if he, if he works hard, I see him getting in the top, top seven, top five, in my opinion. Joe's really good, man. And he's, he's a PA boy. Like, he can wrestle. Um, he's got great hands. Like, he's all round. And his mentality is probably his biggest attribute. Like, his best skill is his determination because he's been through so much in his life. They've done a documentary on him. I think it's coming out Yeah, soon. I heard about that. I heard about that, like, that being unfortunate. Tell me about his wrestling, though. I've, I haven't even seen him wrestle. Bro, he can wrestle, man. He, he doesn't use it. He doesn't need to, <laughs> you know? <laughs> He doesn't. That's what Pavlovich said. Yeah, like it's gonna take someone to have bigger nuts than him to like really go at him. But I'm glad him and Brendan are are, are good friends too. So hopefully they never have to fight. 
because Brendan don't like fighting his friends. He's, there's a few guys he he said he'd never fight, but then he turns around and says, "Well, if, but if they say yes first, I'll fight them." <laughs> Brendan, I feel like I don't know him, of course, but you do, so you can tell me if this is true. From the from what I've seen from him, the conclusion I came to was that this guy, a whole bunch of people look crazy, like Chamayev and all these guys, Costa, like they act crazy. I feel like he is crazy, but he doesn't look it. You know yeah. what I mean? Because every Bro. single person that he's called out is like, is like, is this guy being serious? Bro, I'm going to tell you now, everyone accuses me. He's my boy. They're going to be like, oh, he's, I'm just dick riding him. But I've trained with everyone, bro. I've trained with Hamza yeah, at All Stars. I've trained with everyone, man. And uh, he's the best guy I've ever trained with. Obviously, he has his off day in the gym. And You're joking. Like I swear, maybe someone. I don't. I, I just. I find that really hard to believe, dude. Like, I'm. I'll. I'll. I'll take that as a fact that you believe that, and sure. I see that you genuinely believe it. It's just tell me more about that. And when I say that, I mean it in terms of like the whole package. Like, he always shows up on the fight night. I know he's lost two fights. I'm going to hit you with the statistics now. Do you know who, with more than ten fights in the UFC? Is the most has the greatest winning percentage at middleweight. It's Brendan no, Allen. Say, say, say that again. Say that again. Okay, it's Brendan. But say the stat again. Over ten fights in the division because Drickus obviously is what six and zero, oh, so he has a hundred percent win rate. But yes. He's only fights and he hasn't really. He's only fought one tough guy in Whitaker. So Correct. obviously there's guys like that. Five and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, three and zero. Oh, they have a hundred percent win rate, but. In within the sport, we generally look at guys with over ten fights, right? Yes. In the in the UFC. Brendan's nine and one at middleweight. He's ten and two in the UFC. Izzy You're joking, is... bro. That like when you look at the top ten, I struggle to find out like how did these guys even get ranked? Like Vittori's like nine and six in the UFC. Canyonier's ten. Uh, Paulo's the weirdest one because Paulo hasn't been a ranked opponent in like the last three or four years he or something in the UFC he got a title shot of like knocking out Johnny Hendricks or whoever I don't know like he ain't beat yeah. anyone in the UFC he hasn't beat anyone who's not retired like it's correct insane. Bro, it's insane to me and when I look at it like even guys like Imamov who I respect Imamov he's a great fighter this guy's four and two in the UFC how's he in the top 12 or whatever he's four and two in the UFC he got ranked off beating Edmund Shabazian who's now where is he like, I, I, I try and think back. I'm like, man, the division must have been dead. Like, how are these guys all in the top 10? They ain't beat no one. Delidze is another guy who I really respect. Great fighter, really tough. Again, in the division, he's like two and two at middleweight. How is he in the top 10? How is uh, Hermanson still in the top 10? They got wins over, like, one guy who was ranked. You can, and then... you can say out of, out of every single person, I will... I will agree with you with everything you said, but one guy that uh, I refuse to, I'll, I'll, I'll protect him, is Jack Hermanson. Because even what? though e even though he's had some shit performances and he's had some losses, dude, he's beaten like I think he beat Chris Curtis, and he and he's he had a split decision loss to Strickland. You know what I mean? So like even though even though he's had kind of shit performances. I just think the best way we can solve all these problems is get the fucking ranked people to fight each other for fuck's sake. 
Bro, like Brendan was scheduled to fight Hermanson. Hermanson pulled out with a back injury. Then I had a little look on Instagram, and two days later, he's rock climbing with his girlfriend. He just didn't want to fight. Like, guys, they all hide behind the number, and it annoys me. And I know I'm dick riding Brendan again, but like, these guys, they're like 5 0 in the last two years. Brendan's 5 0 in the last like year, bro. Like, bro, bro. In my opinion, in my opinion, it's okay because, dude, if you if you were what you're saying, right? If you were doing that and Brendan ha- doesn't have any stats to back it up, then it just looks bullshit. But because, dude, he's coming off fucking like running through Muniz, who everyone said was going to be the next best thing, and he's already beaten M1 global champion Bruno Silva. People talk shit. Yeah. Bruno's loss was Pereira, and Pereira's middleweight champion. So he's come off two really good wins. Dude, I just see, like, who do you think he should fight next? Brendan's fighting Paul Craig. Yes, he is. I totally forgot about that. That's a hard match. I think, I think Brendan wins that personally. Well, again, Brendan, he's only got two losses in the UFC. Both of them were under a week's notice. Um, he lost to Strickland on a week's notice. I think he was winning the first round. But anyway, Strickland ended up being the champ now. Like, that's who not did a bad he lose loss. to as well? And- then he lost to Chris Curtis on four days' notice. He was met. We done oh, he, whole- he lost to both of them. He lost to both of them. We done a whole camp for Brad Tavares, and then Brad pulled out because he always pulls out. There's a Brad Tavares curse. He's pulled out like seven or eight times in the UFC, and the guy always goes on to lose. They take a short notice fight and they lose. Really? Yeah. Look that up. The Brad Tavares curse. He pulls out a week before the fight, then they go on to lose by knockout the week after. Everyone. It's crazy. Happened to Robocop, my boy. Happened to Brendan. Happened to a bunch of guys. Like, if you look me, on his topology... Let me, I'll open up his topology now. Let's see how many like, he's pulled out of. you got to look at the ones he withdraws from. So, he pulled out a week or two weeks before the fight. Delidze took the rematch. Uh, took the uh, short notice replacement. Then he pulled out on the Monday. I remember it was Monday and Brendan and I were drilling leg locks for Delidze. He pulls out. And then Tuesday we flew and they said it was Chris Curtis. So he fought Chris Curtis on four days' notice and he got caught, you know. He, back then, Chris Curtis wasn't as established in the UFC. Like, I think we took him a bit lightly and got caught. Well, whatever. Chris Curtis ended up being ranked too. So his two losses are to two legit guys. One's now the champ. One's ranked. Uh, who doesn't get One finished. trains Chris with Curtis. the champ as well. Yeah, and he, he only loses to, like, real good guys in, like, decisions you know he don't really get finished Chris Curtis he's he's good um but yeah for me Brendan the reason I speak so highly of him is because I've trained with all these guys and there's don't get me wrong there's guys that are incredible like in the gym like Phil Hawes he's my brother he's he's one of the best guys I've ever trained with um but sometimes he can't put it together in the cage you know Brendan's a gamer he doesn't have a bitch body uh, bone in his body like he doesn't flinch. He gets hit clean. There's a great clip on his Instagram. I actually recorded it from the fight where Bruno Silva catches him with a clean uppercut. And you see, he's like, he doesn't even flinch. He's just throwing back immediately. Like, yeah, I think he has, he, he has striking. He's strong as fuck. And, uh, and of course, I think he has the best ground game. There's no one, like, I'm a competent grappler. I'm not the best in the world, but I'm a black belt. I'm very strong. I'm a competent grappler. But there's no one who I feel completely helpless against. But when I grapple with him, it's like there's times he's unstoppable. I can't stop him getting a submission, you know, even if I'm just trying to not get submitted. He's that good. And it's because he's an MMA grappler. Like, Muniz has great jiu-jitsu, but 
he doesn't have MMA jiu-jitsu like Brendan where he mixes in the ground and pound. I predicted he would rear naked choke Mooniz. There's a video of me and I said, people are going to be surprised. I think Brendan submits him with a rear naked choke. I'll send you the video after. And he rear naked choked him. I was like, told you guys, he's that good. We've spoken about all of Brendan's attributes, but one thing I want to ask you about is that offensive wrestling. I consider his game pretty filled out but maybe the counter-striking and the offensive wrestling are two components where I don't completely have insight into. So what can yeah. you tell us about that? I think his wrestling, that's one area where I always say, oh, he could work on it more, but he's, he knows what he's good at and he makes these reads in the fight. He's so good in the fight at making those reads and he really does his homework. But like once he gets his hands joined, he's just got that hillbilly strength. He's a real Louisiana boy. And I'm telling you, like, he don't even lift. He don't have abs. He ain't got big muscles, but he's just he's just strong, like, in his bones, man. He's got strength. And I think he'll show that in the Paul Craig fight. I think he can rag the old Paul Craig and really put a beating on him. To be honest, I think those two kind of have a similar style between yeah. Paul and Brendan. I just think that... From what I've seen, I would say that Paul has the inferior striking. Do you think I've gotten that correct? 100%. But also, again, back to the grappling of the two guys. I know Paul's known as a submission specialist. But when you look at his best submissions on his record, one is Ankalaev, who was 10-8 in him for three rounds and got subbed with one second to go. Final he, second, yep. Said after, if he knew there was one second, he wouldn't have tapped. He would have just waited. Um, yeah, and... Like, he was getting his ass beat, you know what I mean? And then he, he gets a Hail Mary triangle out of nowhere. I don't think he could do that to Brendan. Like, if Brendan's on top of you, the clock is ticking until you're getting KO'd with the elbows or you're turning and giving your back and getting choked. He's not just, he doesn't sit in the guard like these the Russian-style wrestlers, like Khabib and stuff. Um, and then Jamal Hill, who didn't even tap. Jamal Hill was ground and pound and beating Paul up. His arm got snapped, but he didn't tap. He said, oh, let me continue. Like, he didn't even want to stop. So, I don't know if, like, I know on paper it looks, they look crazy. Like, oh, man, he subbed these two guys. One's a champ, one's a number one contender. But when you really look at it, it's like, no, he was getting beat up. One was a Hail Mary. The other, like, Jamal's not the best grappler. And he was on top. He had no, he didn't feel any threat. He was like, I just think, it's like Muniz all over again. Like, we studied Muniz and everyone was like, oh, Muniz because he snapped Jacare's arm. And I was like, Jacare didn't tap. It's not like he put Jacare in a submission and Jacare said, man, your jiu-jitsu is better, I need to tap. His arm just gave and he was like, fuck. Like, he caught him, you know? So when we were looking at that, I was like, man, Brendan's gonna smash this guy. And when he, he took him down, passed the guard, made him look like a white belt, took his back and fucking choked him, made him tap. It's like, damn. It wasn't fluke. He'd done it in every round he was on top. So it wasn't like he caught him. Like, oh, he was losing and he caught him in a lucky submission. He systematically took him apart. So I just think, again, obviously it's a fight and Paul Craig's coming down from light heavyweight. He should have some power. He's going to be big. But I hope he don't cut too much weight because that chin's going to get tested. Do you think that they don't want to push Brendan because he's not a big name and they would rather push someone like a Chimaev or a Bonicle? 100%. 100%, man. 100%. I think that's the case. And we know how the industry is right now. It's like, 
if you got followers and you got hype, they're gonna push you, you know? Like we see it with Paddy Pimlet, like all these guys, you know? The real, we know the real legit guys are and they get the real tough fights and uh, they don't get any recognition for it. And then there's other guys who beat a couple scrubs and they're like ranked and you're like, how is this? But that's the name of the game, you know? It's like they're running a business and they need to bring in viewers, but that's what it is, man. Would you say Brendan's the biggest dark horse out of everyone in that division? 100%. I think he beats Izzy tomorrow. He beats Pereira tomorrow off the couch. Like, just because he has huge nuts. He's not like Vittori where he's going to, like, try to win rounds against you. He's trying to finish you, you know? And to beat him, you have to knock him out. He's not going to lose a decision. Like, the closest fight where he had a decision was uh, Jacob Malkoon in Singapore. And Jacob wasn't fighting. He was just trying to sniff his crotch. And it was, like, frustrating to Brendan. But Brendan's still engaged. Okay, I'll try and out-wrestle you. I'll try and sweep you. I'll try and knock you out. But uh, you're not going to beat him, like, unless you knock him out, man. I think he beats them all. I don't agree with you when it comes to Pereira. I think you should be very surprised with Alex's actual MMA game. I think that working with Glover Teixeira and the fact that he is so intelligent, people yeah. don't even know, just because he doesn't speak English and just because when he speaks English, people think that he sounds like an idiot. Dude, this guy is a fucking eight to nine championship glory kickboxer. Now he's got a belt in the UFC and now most likely will destroy no defense Yuri Prakasha versus via yeah. left hook. Right? I was just in Minnesota cornering on LFA and, I, and Alex Pereira's sister was fighting there. And uh, I spoke to his coach, the big guy, and they were talking to me about the fight. I think Pereira beats Yuri. But, um, bro, Izzy took Pereira down, you know? If Izzy's taking you down, anyone else in the entire roster can take you down. Do you, do you not I, remember that? I, I do remember that, but you do have to say, think about the Jan Blahovich fight, right? If Blah, if Izzy, if, if what you're saying is true, right? I don't think it's that simple. No, I think... It has improved, like, and the, the Pereira that fought Izzy in the first fight where he took him down, like, he's massively improved. He's evolving every day, especially training with Glover. Um, so maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit saying he beats him tomorrow, but I still think he beats him, like, with a full camp. I think he's going to get, he's going to take him down. He's not scared to stand with anyone. He'll stand with him and uh, he'll take him down. Like, remember, Brendan's losses came when he was a kid. He was, like, 23, 24, 25. Now he's going to be 28 this year. Like, he's finally on a run. He's 5-0 and in his, his prime. Yeah, he's 5-0 and in the last five fights with all finishes. Like, and he's beating guys that have never been finished. Guys that have never been subbed. He's subbing them and finishing them and looking great. So, we're just going to keep it going. And November 18th, it'll be the next one, hopefully. I think, going back to that Pereira discussion that we're, we're talking about, I think that... If Pereira didn't level up from the Izzy fights, then he would have looked terrible against Blahovitz. Yeah. But I just feel like the fact that he had Blahovitz in a little guillotine and he also showed really good jiu-jitsu as well as uh, really good takedown defense just goes to show you that this dude loves learning. He just loves yeah. learning new shit, right? So I'm completely confident in Pereira have the takedown defense. I, I want to see more from Brendan before I can even make a prediction. I would yeah. say right now that 
I think Pereira goes on a run at the end of his career and retires. I think that he will destroy Yuri. I think that he will beat Jamal. And I believe if Magomed gets up there, Magomed will be the only person to to have a close fight or beat Pereira. And to be honest, I don't know how much Pereira is going to level up by then. What what happens if we see a reality that Pereira's like, fuck it, I've already achieved everything. I'm going up to heavyweight now. Like, full on. Like, he's, he's got the frame. He could be the first triple time, triple weight champ. I know Vito, I think, tried it, right? Vito was the heavyweight champ, the light heavyweight champ, but he never got the middleweight belt. I know Patricio Pitbull uh, Ferreira, I think his surname is. He yeah. he tried it because he did the lightweight, featherweight, and then when he went to bantamweight, he lost. But yeah, uh, yeah like I, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in the learning, creativity, ability, as well as intelligence ability by by Pereira. Like I think that's just an underrated stat, and I would love to see what happens with the with with the rest of his career because I just think he's going to go spastic. I think he's going to knock all these guys out. Yeah. But again, it's like, how good is Jan now? Like, I don't think... I think he's still good, dude. I think you chuck Jan up against Magomed now and they have the exact same fight they had. Magomed might win my win decision, but he's not finishing Blahovitz. Yeah. I don't know. That's why it's the best sport in the world, right? We find out in the end. So we're talking about Sean Strickland. What do you think now that he's the champion? How many title defenses is this guy getting? I think it depends, man, because he trains with some of the guys in the division. Like from what I hear, he trains with Vittori a lot, and he let on. He said, he said in this press conference, he's like, "There's guys Izzy's beat twice that I beat the shit out of as far as." He's correct, a- like Kelvin Gastelum, because Kelvin's coach yeah. pulled Sean off. Kelvin, he was like, "Nah, let's stop the sparring match now." And Vittori's the same, you know. Like Vittori fought him twice, and I know they train now at Extreme Couture, so. I don't know who beat Sean. Who's fighting him next now, they said, to get in a title shot? Oh, the winner of Hamza Paolo. Well, I think, dude, I think they might just chuck in Drickus against Sean. And to be honest, I think that is one of the most difficult matches to predict out of out of all of them. There's a lot of matches where at face value, you say, oh, this guy's going to win. And then when you look more into it, you go, fuck, there's so much to really unravel to figure out who's winning this. I think Drickus is a fucking Terminator. He is oxygenated Drickus now. He's got his nose fixed. Dude, he's got he's very underrated. Both are very underrated fighters. And when you have a situation like that, that both are so skillful yet underrated, it is almost an impossible pick. Everyone's correct. A, a fight like that, you don't know how it's going to go, you know? But five rounds, Strickland, you've got to take him in the later rounds, like, over most of these guys. That's why I picked him for against Hamzat. I said if they had a pot- potential fight, I said, dude, Hamzat's going to gas until the third round. Dr- uh, fucking Sean would beat the shit out of him fourth and fifth. Yeah. Did you see, like, the Abus fight? It happened quick. He let him... Abus's cardio, Abus's cardio may be one of the worst cardios in middleweight, but I do have to say, when Sean puts the pressure on anyone... That what happened to Abus would happen to somebody in the third, the fourth, yeah, and it sure. happened to Izzy in the fifth. He was about to get him, but as yeah. we saw, Izzy just ran away the whole fifth. Yeah. You, as you as you saw. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sean's good, and he doesn't get hit. You know, they said he only got hit twenty-two times in that whole fight, so that's crazy. 
he made Izzy miss 170 strikes or some shit. That's crazy. He didn't have a scratch on him. What continents have you fought in? Oh, damn. I fought in... Uh, I'm Obviously, I'm from Europe. I fought in Europe. I fought in North America. I fought down in Brazil, so I fought in South America. I fought in Asia, in Singapore. So that's four. I was supposed to fight in UAE this year, which technically would have been five, but they couldn't get me an opponent for UAE Warriors. <coughs> so I fought in four continents. It's pretty good. Yeah, go on, sir. I need to come down and fight in Australia and add to it. Yes, you fucking do, mate. Get get a UFC contract. Find the next. We've got th- we've got three more. Sorry, two more Sydney, New South Wales cards that the UFC is doing with the government. So you need to jump on one of those. I've gone up to two hundred five now, so that division's a bit more thin. And I've had a bunch of offers, bro. I've had two, three UFC offers, but just the stars haven't aligned. I got my manager called me to fight Jelton Almeida last year. <laughs> Dude, dude, that is actually fucking hilarious that you said that because the person I was thinking about, I go 205, I go, I mean, Tuco's a big boy, I go, imagine if they fucking do what they did to uh, that Swedish guy and fucking Jazinho and uh, there was there was another guy in there and I'm like, imagine if they give him a short nose Jalton. I was like, I'm not going to bring that up because there's no way that's going to happen. And then look what the fuck you just said. It was for like May 21st last year. I got the call. Do you want to fight Jelton Almeida? I was like... No, I, said, I don't fucking want to fight that guy on short notice because, because first of all, Jelton, Jelton's like a top five fighter in the division and they're fucking feeding him so they can market him. So when he gets the belt, they're up there. So to be honest, it's not a thing of whether it's like, oh, you didn't take the fight, you're a bitch. It's more like, no, dude, this, guy, no. this guy's top five. I swear to God, I'll tell you. I text my manager saying... Um, like, when he called me, I was like, oh, man. I was like, all right. Like, yeah, let's do it. And then I texted him saying, I believe I can knock him out. Like, I said, I can show you the receipt. I was like, I can knock him out. Because he just does the same thing. He throws an up kick and he shoots a double leg. Like, let's grapple then. <laughs> okay. No, this, this is out of control. No, listen, uh, I love your takes on MMA, but this one's out of control. Jalton's <laughs> way better no, he, than what you're saying. He has gel in his name. He's a fucking monster. <laughs> He's a monster, but I would fight him. That's what I'm saying. I would fight him and I would try and knock him out, you know, but he gets his hands on you. It's a long night. Um, but again, he hasn't fought the most athletic fucking guys, you know? Like, he, he crushed uh, Danilo Marquez, who's like 45 years old. Parker Porter is a fucking human cannonball. He can't fucking stand up. <laughs> he so destroyed like- that random Dagestani guy that's huge. <laughs> Oh yeah, in the contender series. Oh no, that's yes. the other one. He fought he fought, I believe he fought a Russian in the contender, and then when he came into the UFC, that guy was like hundred and fifty kg yeah. or some shit. Yeah. I remember that guy, the hairy one. He's got like a hairy yeah. back. <laughs> He's a monster. So I was offered to fight him. Then when OSP couldn't get a fucking opponent in December, everyone was asking for for that fight. But I said I'll take it, but I didn't have any medicals. Um, and then Khalil Roundtree when Chris Dorcas pulled out, uh, but it was in Canada and it was, I don't think I could have got the work permit or whatever it was. Dude, dude, all these fights that they've offered you are just ferals that they want to build up. Like they're not giving you any favors. 
I know, but I don't give a fuck. That's the UFC, bro. I'll fight anyone. So, you know, I just want to get in and have some fun. And my style, I'm going to uh, I'll bang, you know. I, I fought for a regional title in America and I won. I knocked the guy out. He went on to do great things. He got to the semifinals of the PFL tournament, Ty Flores. Um, I knocked him out. And then I was supposed to fight on contender but uh, in September. But then my manager called me. I was already going to Singapore to corner Brendan and uh, Andre Fialio. And he's like, do you want to fight in Singapore? I was like, yeah, against some Chinese guy. I was like, yeah, whatever. On road to UFC. He's like, Mick said, if you win, you get signed. I was like, cool. Like, yeah, let's do it. Went out there, fought the guy. He was juiced to the fucking gills. We were the only bout they didn't test on the whole card. Um, and I banged with the guy. He broke my nose. I lost the fight, whatever. Um, and then I couldn't fight on contenders after that. Because they said, even if you lose, you can still fight on contenders. I was like, oh, cool. That's a good deal. But I broke my nose. I couldn't fight on contenders like two months later. So was, I was like, the belt the Fury one? Yeah, the Fury belt. That was a couple, I don't know when that was, last year, March. Um, so, yeah, then broke the nose, had to fucking heal that up, couldn't fight for like six months. I think I fought, I fought in March, broke the nose in June. So I didn't fight for eight months, which isn't that bad. But then I fought down in Brazil, and then I just fought a few weeks ago in Louisiana. So now I've got a win streak going again. I just need to keep fighting, stay active, keep finishing people, and then we'll see what happens, man. Tuco, can you give us some insight into your collaboration with Ange Lusa? He's a friend of yours. You cornered him. You cornered him. He's a friend of yours. You've trained with him. Tell us what that guy's like, because that's a fighter that the fans don't really know about, in my opinion. Ange Lusa, he's from Switzerland. He's born in Congo. He's just built different, man, like in his heart and his mind. He's very stoic. He's a very serious guy. Um, he's my brother. We're very close. He's one of my best friends. Um, and he's an underrated welterweight. He's got one loss in the UFC. Again, it was on short notice for his debut. He cut a lot of weight, came in, won a decision. He went to a decision with uh, Jack Della. And I think he won a round against him, took him down. Um, on the contender that's, that's aged quite well then. Yeah, and now Jack's making him look great because he's just finishing all these guys who have been in the UFC for a decade. Sorry like, to interrupt you, but I do believe unbiasedly because I don't care if I'm Australian, whatever the fuck, yeah. I think that Jack Della might fight for a title. I think they might set yeah. him up for a title. I don't know why. Why they pick particular people. Sometimes there's a safe option that's popular and they would rather pick that than someone that's got a whole bunch of hype, but they can't. Yeah. That's why they, sorry, that's got a whole bunch of hype, but they can't really control too well. Kind of like yeah. your Tony Ferguson, your Sean Strickland. So I feel like they're trying to set up Jack for a title. So if that's if that's the case and Jack's fighting for a title, well, fucking Luce's going to look really good about, yeah. because of that. Jack's really good, man. And he already has that champion uh, composure, like, in the way that he fights. You saw him against Kevin Holland. Like, he's so composed. And Kevin's a good test, man. He finishes people. Like, he's going he's gonna to make you have a bad day, you know, but Jack just kept it together and kept his boxing going and won the rounds. Jack's a hard guy to beat, man. What's, he must be 6-0 in the UFC now. Yeah, he's a uh, Jack's good man. I've seen him on a couple cards when I've been cornering. His coach, his boxing coach is actually an English guy, man. He's really cool. I see. When did you meet his coach? 
I think the first time I seen him was out in Anaheim. He fought uh, Pete Rodriguez. I was cornering Andre Fialio against Michel Pereira. And I met them out there. And then they were in Singapore. He fought out there. I've seen him in a bunch of places, man. They're good people. It says here, bro, yeah. that he's 6-0 and zero in the UFC and his last loss was 2016. So do the math. He hasn't lost. He's on like a long win streak, man. Huge. He lost his first two fights and now he's on a 16-fight win streak. Jack's good. He's really good. He can't get the nose fixed. If he fixes the nose, he'll lose. You've got to keep the nose broke and busted, and then it'll be unbeatable. <laughs> but yeah, Ange, he lost his debut. Um, he cut a lot of weight for that. I was with him. He had to take the fight, you know. And uh, he fought a week before, and then he went on vacation. They called him to fight on a week's notice. He went straight to Vegas, cut the weight, fought, lost the decision. But now with a full camp, he's he's hard to beat, man. He's a bit shorter for the weight. He's compact. Good luck taking him down. Good luck knocking him out. Like he he he's got a he's got a great uh, physique and mentality at that weight class. Like he can he can beat a lot of guys. How has training at Killcliffe FC influenced your career? What opportunities has it given you, and how has it leveled you up as a fighter? This might be like a controversial answer, but like I've been at the gym for over six years. When I first came here, like Black Zillions had just broken up and the team was at a small gym called Combat Club. They weren't really even like, we didn't have a gym or a team. There was like 10, 12 guys there, you know? It was like the guys who stuck with uh, Henry Hooft and Greg Jones. Um, so when I first walked in there, everyone was a killer. Um, you had like Stefan Struve, Luke Rockhold, Rumble, Kamaru was there, Jason Jackson, Gilbert Burns, Michael Johnson, uh, Sean Soriano. Like there, there was a bunch of guys there and they're still there today, but we moved around so much. So we were at that tiny gym. Then we went to Hard Knocks 365. Then we went to uh, Samford MMA. Then they changed the name to Killcliffe FC. So, uh, it's like the name and the gym always changes. You know, I, I try to just stay with the people. Like the guys that have been on the team for years and years, we kind of like, we don't get so like bamboozled by all the like the team name and all the outfits and all that stuff. Like, cause we have like a uniform and everyone sees our gym. Like we're some globo gym, like this mega gym with money. But when you see like the actual guys who live here who are like in the gym day in day out because people come in for their camps they're there for six weeks or whatever and then you don't see them again until they're going to fight again but the guys that live there we're just invested in the people that are there so um that's more influenced me than like the name and all the fighters that come there it's more the people that are there day in day out and like we call it like the culture that we have at the gym you know like that group that tight circle we're like a family you know so uh, it's just like learning that when you're at a big gym, it's like, it's more like letting your ego go. You know, whether you win fights or lose fights on Monday, there's going to be, it's going to be someone else's fight week and, and they're going to be a main event in the UFC or whatever it is. So it's like not taking yourself too seriously and just letting your work speak for you, you know? 
Like, we're in competition at the gym. Someone knocks someone out on Saturday, they're back in the gym on Monday because they know, like, oh, everyone knows I didn't get hurt. I just knocked the guy out in one punch. I better be in the gym on Monday, like, because everyone's going to be on my back. And as well, we all help each other. So you fight one week. Next week, you're needed in the gym to help your teammate. He's got to fight. So that's a good thing about being at a big gym is that, like, everyone depends on everyone and, you have little groups, like I've got my close boys that I always corner and we always go to fights with each other. And it's good to have that uh, within a big gym. Like up in Philly, they got great, they got five guys in the UFC, but there's times we have five guys fighting on one UFC card, you know? <laughs> like, so it's just different levels and different access to resources, I guess. Who, apart from Brendan, gives you the hardest round in sparring at Killcliffe? Damn, bro, there's so many guys. Like, you don't understand. Like, at my weight, there's so many killers. But, like, like even at welterweight, there's times we've had, like, seven or eight of the top ten in our gym. Like, there's times we had Kamaru, Gilbert, Bilal was in the gym, uh, Vicente Luque, Shavkat, uh, Ian Gary. Like, there's times we've had seven of the top 10 in the gym like it's crazy at welterweight um but damn that i personally train with i'll have to say um linton vassell i know he's a heavyweight there's times i train with him he is unstoppable on the ground he's like an absolute monster he's gonna win the bellator heavyweight title against beta in october uh brendan allen of course phil hawes he's one of the best guys in the training room that you'll ever see his wrestling is, like, insane. Like, if he wrestled in his fights, he'd be unbeatable. He'd be like Khabib if he just wrestled. Um, Gregory Rodriguez, that's my brother. He's a fucking killer. He's a monster. He's a Robocop. Uh, you've got guys like Shavkat. Vicente Luque is just an absolute sniper. Andre Fialio is a killer to spar with. He's boxing. Uh, Ange Lusa, like you said, he's tough as nails. You got Angla and Sang. I think he's behind me right there. One champion. champ. Yeah, former double champion, one championship. He's a hard hitter, hardest kicks in the game. Um, and there's national, there's a guy national national fucking hero, Myanmar. No, I go I corner him with, on his fights, and like I've been out to Asia a bunch of times with him, and it's just different, man. You think people are famous here? Like he can't walk down the street in Asia. Literally, he can't walk down the street. He's mobbed. Tuka, I've got a question for you. Were you at the most recent fight where he subbed that guy? I was. And uh, we actually went over that choke. And I choked someone to sleep with that same choke in the same city of Denver. And, uh, and then for him to get it in the same city was insane. I was with him. I can't remember. Tuka, was that like a ninja, anaconda, or like Das? Which one was it? We have different names for it. I call it a ninja choke. It was a ninja choke. Such a nice choke. I I, I, I put a video on my Instagram of it because I slept the guy and then he submitted the guy with the same choke. Crazy. Ongra's one of the best humans you'll ever meet, man. And he's just a killer. Like, he inspires me a lot. Being with him has taught me a lot. Like, when I go to his fights with him and corner him, just his, uh, his attitude towards fighting. He's such a gladiator. Like, this man is just like... He's such a man. He's like, no nerves. Like, he's just a killer. He's born to fight, man. When he's about to walk out, he's like, 
It's like that scene in Gladiator when the guy in front of him is pissing himself when they're about to fight in the, the shitty Coliseum at the beginning when they're all like shackled and the guy in front of him is pissing himself and he just like steps back. That's Unglar. He's just like, he's a seasoned warrior, man. He's different level. Let me ask you about that ninja choke. So when the Das choke became a predominant move in MMA, every fighter started using it and abusing it because it was getting easy yeah. wins. Do you yeah. believe that the ninja choke will be a variation in MMA in the next year or two that people will start incorporating and win fights exactly how the Das was incorporated? I think so, because I start seeing it everywhere now and like I start shouting it out. And like whenever I'm cornering a guy I, on the fight week, like we go over it just in case, because you can get it from a lot of places. You can get it offensively and even defensively. If I'm on the cage and a guy's wrestling me, like I got it defensively. Ongla got it defensively. When the guy wrestled them, you f he found the choke, you know, and it goes you on. Couldn't, so you couldn't even see it. Yeah, it goes on so quick, and the guy feels it more than anyone. Like no one else can really see it. Like you said, it's a good, good choke, man. But going back to the gym, there's guys, I was going to say, there's guys who you wouldn't even think of that are, like, killers. Like, firstly, Jason Jackson, he's going to fight for the Bellator welterweight belt. He's one of the best fighters in the whole world. He's, like, unreal. He's so good. I don't you know if I'm mistaken, but is he the Jamaican fighter? He's fighting with the dreadlocks. He's fighting Amosov for the belt. In October, That's a huge fight. And when I saw, when I looked at his sure dog, I believe he beat Benson Henderson, who's my, it goes Benson, Shabbat, Charles Oliveira. They're the, they're the three I like the most. Um, I, I saw that Jason beat um, Benson and I went straight away. I went, okay, this guy, this guy's a real fucking hitter. So good. And even he got robbed in the Ed Roof fight. So he hasn't lost a fight for a long time in my eyes. But he's so good, and that guy is going to surprise a lot of people when he beats Amosov. Um, there's other guys like you haven't even heard of. There's a guy in my gym called Mohamed Berkamov. He's from Circassia in Russia. He's like one of these like cork guys. And uh, bro, he's wrestling. He's a fucking killer, man. He's a killer. Like the wrestling in America is different level. People don't understand. Das and Ninja, can you demonstrate for us the difference between the two and why people are getting caught with this? With the Das, typically... Can you, you show us? I kind of need a body. But the arm, like, you include the guy's arm. So the grip is more... It's choking on a different part of the neck. But with the Ninja choke, it's just going on the guy's neck. So you don't need an arm. He can be wrestling you and seemingly protecting himself from a Darso and Anaconda, but then you go straight to the neck. But you have to position your body in a way that covers the head so it can't escape from the choke. So it's like, it goes on very quickly and you have to, you don't want to over-squeeze. Like when I, I got it in a fight and choked the guy out on uh, Dana White's looking for a fight, I put it on and I was trying to really squeeze and like finish it. And then Brendan was in my corner, he said, relax. And I relaxed and it really sunk the choke in. I was over the guy's back, you know? And I put my head like I was sleeping on the, his back. And he was still trying to wrestle into me against the cage. And I just slowly closed it on his neck and he passed. I, I thought to myself, damn, this isn't on. Like, he's not struggling. And then he was limp. I was like, oh, damn, he's out, out. But it's like the hole is smaller. 
if I'm going to go Darth, it's like, it's a bigger gap, you know, and I have to force the guy's arm into to choking him, you know. But with the ninja choke, it's such a smaller hole. I do it like that over there. There's different variations. People do some, they do uh, guillotines like this, mod modified guillotines where they're pushing, like John Jones against Machida. Is that the Gable? I think he grabbed, maybe it was Gable, or maybe he grabbed his thumb and just pushed the guillotine up. Yeah, his hands were so big, nobody can tell, really. Mine goes, my ninja choke goes like, it's a rear naked grip across the back. Where so do you the have their neck in that position? So his head is on my belly button, down. Yeah. And I'm him, yeah. So his head is into me. But yeah, I have and to where, where do you put your first arm? Do you put it underneath the neck? Under the neck, yeah. Yep. Under the neck. So his head is against my chest. Sure. But I like to do it when I'm on the cage and a guy's leaning into me. Sometimes they put their head across your chest and you have a split second where you can pull the guy's head into the choke. Then you have to quickly turn and face him and drop over him to cover the head so it can't escape. I put Shavkat in one once and he escaped. He like, of course he escaped. And he's a monster. Unkillable. I love that guy. One guy that did it really well was Saeed Nurmagomedov, who is not yeah. part of the Nurmagomedov clan. He's a separate family, but he hit a really good ninja choke on, um, I forgot who it was. Cody Stamen. Oh, he hit on Stamen. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's, he's, he had a fucking vicious one. Yeah, Let me see. On, the guys tap really quick to that. Yeah, what is it like? Is it like too painful? Like, what is it? You go out quick, man. You like you do you, what? What if you keep your eyes open? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I swear, I swear, the brain works very weirdly, and I swear that every time I'm in a fucking choke where I close my eyes, my brain's like, yeah, yeah, shut off, like go to sleep, right? But every time I'm in a choke and my eyes are wide awake and I'm holding them open, it's like, nah, fuck, I'm not tapping. No way, no way. Pop your eyes out like that. Really? Maybe. <laughs> Tuco, what would you say, from an emotional standpoint, what was better for you when you won the Fury Belt? Were you were you happier that you won and had a good victory, or were you relieved that you didn't lose a big fight? Um. No, I think it was happier that you won. I remember, like knocking him out and then saying to my corner, I was like, did that just happen? He was like, that just happened, buddy. It was sick. And Mick Maynard was there. So, like, they gave me the microphone. I was like, come on, Mick, man. Get me in the UFC. What's going on? It's like, get a Londoner in there because they do these cards in London. Imagine doing a card in Australia that had no Australians on it. Exactly. But more specifically, like, they do cards in London and they put someone from Liverpool as a main event or Manchester, which is, like, five hours away. It's like doing a card in MSG and there's no New Yorkers on it. It's yeah. like, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm always like, come on, man. There's no Londoners in the UFC, like real Londoners. So I don't know. I think I've got a good mouth. They need to get me in there so I can give them some good chat. You need to talk some more shit. Yeah, everyone's a dork, man. Everyone in this industry is a fucking dork. Especially the American. They're a bit cringy, man. The yeah, no, they're, they're trying to cut WWE promos. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, 
They're all nerds, man. They all went to college. They're all fucking nerds. I've got a question for you. What was... Did you enjoy going to Disneyland? What the fuck were you doing there? When was I in Disneyland? Oh, I've been a few times. Usually people just drag me along. Like, Brendan went up there to take his kid. <laughs> He's like, come on, come with me. I'm like, all right, fuck, let's go. I went up there, but I went with my boy Tyler Ray. He's uh, He'd fought, like, a week before and busted his foot or some shit. So I was pushing him around in a wheelchair. We looked like some right psychos. Tuco, are aliens real? I think we are aliens, if you depend where you're looking from, right? Forget about us. Other, other life beings, whatever the fuck you want to call it. There's got to be life out there, I guess. But we got enough problems on this fucking planet, man. <laughs> I totally agree with that statement. When I searched your Instagram, I saw that you were affiliated with Ikram Alaskarov. When did you guys first meet? Ikram came out uh, to Hard Knocks. He come and trained for a little bit. Really good guy, man. He's really good. He actually helped uh, Kamaru for the Woodley camp. I remember that. They done a lot of sparring. He gave him a lot of great work. I got videos on my phone of that sparring. Imagine that. Now Ikram's at 85, like years down the line. But like those guys were sparring hard for that camp where he got the belt. Um, Did he help him with the chain wrestling? Yeah. They Is that why he fucking ragged old T-Wood? Probably, but Kamaru's just, he ragdolled everyone at that time. Um, but yeah, I remember Ikram, he was unbeaten at that time. He was signed to Brave and he was going to fight Hamzat. And I had trained with Hamzat in All-Stars in Sweden before. Before Hamzat was even fighting MMA, he was trying to get his passport, his Swedish passport, so he could wrestle for Sweden. He's um, changed his nationality a week ago, so now he's no longer uh, representing Sweden. He's representing uh, United Arab Emirates because he was he's hanging out. That yes, I do believe so. His first fight oh. against Paulo Costa will be that will be the first fight that he has representing UAE. Wow, that's crazy! I had no. We idea. all know that he's a Chechenian, though. Yeah, yeah, he's Chechen, and. Uh... But at that time, he, they, a lot of Chechen refugees were scattered around Europe. And he was like, this is, I don't know how long ago, man, years ago. But I was there before he was even fighting MMA. And uh, he was a monster, man. He was like living under the stairs in the gym. I saw and, that. Uh, I saw that little shack that he had. He had like one little room that was a closet with a blanket and a shit mattress. Yeah, under the stairs at the back of All Stars. But he was a beast. Even in those days, he was lifting up like... Latifi, Gustafsson, throwing him out the fucking cage. But I remember wrestling with him once, man. He fucking mauled me. He was a real beast. So I remember asking Ikram, oh, who are you fighting? And he was like, Hamzat Chemaev. And I was like, oh, damn. I've trained with him, man. He's he's a beast. And then, and then he went and knocked Ikram out. But hopefully they can get a rematch down the line because that would make for a good story. That yeah. is such an interesting... Easter egg inside MMA. There's so many storylines that go on and we don't even know they're there. Like Ikram being, I think, Islam Makachev's like best friend since childhood. I Islam Makachev and Ikram are both combat sambo gold medalists. So it's like, it's like, holy shit, we finally got like a combat sambo guy at middleweight, then welt then uh, welterweight Hamzat moves up and now he's like, okay, I'm going to get the belt. Dude, in my opinion, that fight, that rematch, whilst that will be Ikram, I, I believe the rematch will happen and Ikram 
Ikram's only loss will be uh, Hamzat, and Hamzat will still be undefeated when that rematch takes place. Like, you mean after they rematch, or...? I think... I think oh, yeah, you... the second fight, yeah, if they have a second fight. That'd be crazy. Can you imagine just that one loss? Uh, it'd be good to see a rematch there. We'll see what happens, man. What do you think about Nasuddini Mavov? You had some harsh words before, but I think that's a really good stylistic match for Ikram. I think he can abuse um, Imavov's holes in his game. Um, and I do see um, Ikram winning that fight. What do you think about that? I think Imavov's a great fighter. He's big. Uh, he's got power. He's tough. He has decent wrestling too. I just think, I don't know if he has the gas tank. And like you saw against Strickland, he brings a lot of animosity into the fights. And uh, like Strickland was laughing in his face at the weigh-ins, you know, he was like, dude, just he had that experience where he could detach from the emotion in the fight. I don't think Imov can do that yet. He comes into the fights emotional and he brings a lot of animosity and that works against him. He gets tired quicker. And if he can't finish the guy and he has to start outpointing him, it gets a bit trickier. But these guys are evolving every day, man. So we don't know. Obviously, I have to back Ikram. He's my boy. I don't think Imamov's fought like he the fight against Curtis got called early, right? Due to the cut. Correct. I think, and, I think they headbutted. Yeah, there was a headbutt there. And then he beat. Uh, also, that's beat, two in a row for Chris Curtis. He got headbutted by Kelvin and then headbutted by Imamov. Yeah, that's crazy. But he uh, Imamov hasn't really beat anyone noteworthy. Like to be ranked that high. What Joaquin Buckley, but Joaquin's gone to welterweight, so I totally agree. Like when you look at the division now, the win that got him ranked was against Shabazian, right? Who's and now Shabazian's not... fallen off. Yeah, he was like a Ronda Rousey. He wasn't that good anyway. Like as soon as he fought someone well-rounded, he lost again and again and again. I think that um, was a lot of hype. Like I feel like he had a really good skill set. I don't. I think he's lacking with cardio and grappling, and I think he was a really good striker. And I think people caught up to his striking. I just think yeah. that he wasn't. He didn't either evolve or something. But I think that they were trying to sell him as their next like star boy, and I think it was yeah. never going to happen. But bro, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, no one's that good, Johnny. Like, I know that sounds crazy. I've trained with everyone. What like, do you mean? When I like when I first came to America, like I used to think Luke Rockhold was the best, the most complete middleweight ever. He kind of like, is. His ground's so good, his kicks, his hands, like he was so good. And then, like, I'd spar him and hit him in the face and be like, damn, he's just a man, you know? Like, don't get me wrong, there's fighters that are so good, that are very, very good, but no one is that good. Like, maybe there's like two or three people. Like, we could say like DC or Khabib, but even they're not that good. Like, yeah, Khab dude, Khabib, Khabib's the biggest hype job out of everyone in MMA. Like, I don't give a fuck. I will say it right here. Dude, Apology's best fighters list, the fact that he's fifth, the fucking Travis, that is ridiculous. Yeah. John Jones is that good. But then even when you look at him, you're like, oh, he maybe he lost that fight to fucking Gustafsson, and he, he looked a bit shit against Reyes. Uh, OSP and Reyes. It's like, bro, everyone's human, and no one is actually that good. Every single person is beatable. It's crazy unless they like whatever do a Khabib and just don't fight a real American wrestler and 
to and retire. Then, and then pull out, pull out of the Cowboy Cerrone fight three times and yeah. the Tony Ferguson to fight four times. Yeah, stuff like that, you know. But I don't, I don't think anyone's that good, man. So it's just more about who's like got the willpower, who's got the determination, and who's going to perform on the fight night. Because, like I said, I've trained with everyone. There ain't no one who ain't beat me up in the gym. Everyone's beat me up in the gym at one point or another. But it's like, can you do that in, with the lights on, like in the cage? That's why I think Brendan Allen's so good. Cause it's like, I've seen him time and time again and he's built different. Like when the fight's about to start, he always turns to me in the cage. Like the fight's about to start. The referee's like, are you ready? Are you ready? He turns to me at cage side and he'll say something like silly. Like as the fight's about to start, he's like, hey, I might be waking up here in a minute. And then he goes out and fights the guy. Or he says to me, like, hey, don't let his coach punk, punk you. And I'm like, oh, my God, you idiot. Focus on the fight. Like, he just, and he performs, you know. Um, so that's a big factor. Like, everyone has skills, you know. I've trained with all these guys that have skills. But then when they get tired, they're like half the wrestler that they were when they had energy. Or, like, their hands come down. It's like there's so many factors that aren't skill set related, you know gas tank, mentality, performance, execution, all this stuff. That's more where the game's going, I think. You see these guys like Jack Della, who, like, people might say he's one-dimensional, he's basic, he's just a boxer-type fighter. But it's like, it's more his mentality. He has the will to win, he's determined, he's conditioned. That's what's going to beat a lot of guys who maybe have more elaborate skill sets than him. I want to say something very interesting. So you said it's about skill set. I th- sorry, skill set and different factors, age, um, reach, someone's mentality, their willpower to win, and how much of a fucking dog they are. So basically, Leon Edwards, right? Let's say something here. Leon is one of the most complete fighters on the roster. He's leveling up his offensive wrestling. His defensive mm-hmm. wrestling's fucking amazing. His jujitsu is very underrated, as we saw against Kamaru. And his striking, I give a 9.42, right? Fucking solid, right? But what really worries me is this guy, I feel like he doesn't care enough. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he doesn't care enough, meaning that he doesn't want to win as much as someone like a Volkanovsky or a Khabib wants to win. I know that's a big ask. Just we need to be factual. We can't we can't say say a statement and people take it as an insult. This is just this is just a factual thing that I've looked at. And how I felt is I felt like Leon doesn't have the mentality to really delve deep. I feel like he's so skillful that because things come easy to him I feel like because he's that much better, I feel like he's not trying hard enough. I think personally, if Leon tried as much as Volkanovski did, I think you and me would be sitting here and going, Leon Edwards may be the best fighter to ever live, and all he needs to do now is get the correct title defenses, and we'll consider him the best welterweight. But no one's saying that. He no one's saying that fucking right now because he looks like he looks like he's dejected, right? Like I want to see this. Yeah, go. I'm sorry. I get what you mean. And, like, it's crazy to even think, like, he won the first round in Salt Lake City, but then he he was losing four rounds after that. 
I didn't even think he won the rematch. I know I'm biased because Kamara is my teammate, but nah, nah, he definitely won. He de- he he beat the shit out of Kamara in the rematch, and he and he got a point deduction and still won the decision. I don't know, man. I don't think so. I think it was closer with the point deduction. Like if Kamara felt, they would have given him the fight. Like that's how I feel like it was one of those ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, so yeah, what I want to say is I feel like, you know, people evolve, people get better. Let's see what Leon does against Colby. Do you see a scenario where Leon beats up Colby for the first two because it's coming easy to him and he just outskills him? And then Colby goes like, I need to win this belt. I've got insane drive to win this championship. And he just steamrolls him because he wants it more. Maybe. But you could also see like a Strickland-Izzy scenario. Like... Izzy didn't want it at all. I know, but that's what we're going to find out. Like, I hope not. I hope Leon wins, but I don't know, man. It's crazy. Like, my boy Bilal Muhammad has been talking about how Colby hasn't beat anyone relevant for, like, five years or some shit. It's crazy. 1900 days. I rate Bilal. I rate Bilal. The only problem with the guy is that he's very unlikable, and I think the UFC has seen this. Listen, he might be your friend, but he might be a fucking legend. He might be a legend outside of the cage, but in there, when you're talking about when you're talking about these US guys, that you're like, oh, they're fucking cringe. Like you gotta say, Bilal might be the nicest guy outside the cage. Why is he cutting? Why is he saying like? Why is he talking shit? People are bullying him. People are bullying him at the press conferences. Have you seen these clips? Yeah, but no comment. <laughs> okay, all right, we'll move on. But whatever. Um, let's talk about. We've got. We've, we've been talking about welterweights and shit. So none of the top ten have booked fights. Like they only booked the fights now, recently. Meaning Wonderboy, Shavkat, uh, Leon, uh, Colby. They only booked these fights recently. They weren't. They weren't operating from from two weeks ago. There were there were zero fights made at welterweight. What do you think about this inactive division? People are saying that this is the most stale inactive division that the UFC has right now. Just because I, each fighter fights, I believe, once a year. Like if you look at it, I think what happened is that because Kamaru lapped the division, as soon as he lost the belt, it became like a free for all, and now everyone's trying to get the type the next shot. So no one wants to risk it. So they're all just going to wait. It's like everyone thinks with one win, they get the next shot. So they're all just trying to sit behind their number. It sucks. The only person that could do that is Colby and everybody else thinks they're Colby, which is, isn't, which is not. Yeah. I know. I think Dana really wants Colby to win the belt. And uh, <laughs> imagine a world where Colby and Strickland are the fucking champs. Well, did you see that curse? It said, imagine this in the next three months, and it shows a photo before it even happened. It showed Sean O'Malley, Strickland, and Colby with the with the belt. And then it said now, it said the, fir- the first two of the prophecy have been completed, and now the third is about to happen. Can you imagine, man? That would be insane. That would be fucked. All right, let me see what else I have for you. Before we brought up Anthony Joshua, so how did you run into this guy? Was it chance or did you meet through a friend? I think we were at a dinner. uh, This is years ago, man. Years and years ago. Like some of my close friends grew up with him. So know him. But bro, like from the couple of times I've been around him, he's a real like stand up guy. 
And I remember even, this is a funny story, like some chick said something to him, like it was at one of these dinners or something. And she was like, remember, don't let the white man keep you down. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, what? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he was like, my coach is white. He was like, most of my fans are white. He was like, the white man's holding me up. Like, <laughs> get that, get your mind out of the gutter. Like, get out of reality. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, man, respect. <laughs> That's fucking stupid. Um, how would a fight between you and him in MMA go? Let's be unbiased. I would take. I would single leg him in five seconds. <laughs> I would come out with my. I'd come out grounded like fucking John Jones. I'd put my fist on the ground and just Imanari roll him. <laughs> Do you think that would work? Probably. Yeah. Uh, if you ever, say... grapple, ever grapple, it's, they're terrible. Let's say it's on concrete, though. You can't Imanari on concrete, can you? Well, he can't kick either. I'll just calf kick him once. He'd be done. <laughs> I'll calf kick him, up kick him. He'd have to get close to box me. But yeah. it's a fight on concrete to fight. If it was on concrete, I'll pick up a brick and just brick him. <laughs> Who introduced you to MMA originally? I'd have to say it's Ashley Grimshaw. He's a 30-fight veteran. He now coaches at GB top team, he coaches Nathaniel. The person who got me into MMA, I would say is uh, Ashley Grimshaw. He's a 30 fight veteran. He was a, he was a featherweight from uh, London. He's now a coach. He's now a jiu-jitsu coach. He's a, I don't know how many degrees black belt. Um, he's the coach at GB top team. He's Nathaniel Woods coach, really good coach. But like I was doing jujitsu and he was like, man, you're tough, you should do MMA do a real sport. I was like, all right. And uh, yeah, I was like under his wing and started fighting with him. Do you have any regrets in life? In life? Yeah. Uh, be cliche to say, no, I don't have any regrets, but I do have regrets. Like I would probably like speak up more at times. Like when I fought in Singapore, like I knew the guy that I fought was on steroids because people that were training with him at Tiger Muay Thai, friends of mine had told me he was on steroids and I was like I don't care I was like I'm gonna knock him out anyway you know and I get to the fight and I'm like are they not testing these bouts and they said oh yeah your your bout isn't tested and I was like oh okay whatever but really I should have kicked up a fuss because that set me back a year in my career having a nose surgery and all this shit <coughs> I would have said no fuck that like I would have called my manager and said, no, demand that this bout is tested. Like, let's fucking put our foot down. I won't fight unless the bout's tested. But you're kind of at the at the mercy of matchmakers and promotions. And a lot of fighters express the same sentiment where it's like they can't say no because they don't have power. They'll get shelved. They won't get fights. They get blackballed. It's like, it's a fucking, it can be a, a real shady industry at times, you know? And, it, and the people that you don't even see that are behind the curtain are the ones who put all the strings, just like any fucking theater. It's like the matchmakers, the managers, the lawyers, all these people are the ones who really run the, the fucking game. It's sad. What's a piece of advice that a mentor gave you that you can share for us today that will help someone watching? The best advice I got was that the time is going to pass anyway. So make sure you're doing the right thing. 
like especially in regards to training and MMA martial arts, it's like the next year is going to pass whether you're on the mats or not. So be on the mats, like just show up. There's a great meme and it's like, it's a fighter and he's saying to his coach, I want to be a world champion. And the coach says, just show up every day. And the fighter is like, ah, damn, like I can't do that. <laughs> it's like, all right, then fuck, you're not going to make it. I like to think of it as the word winning means the word working and that the same word and the fact that people that say I want to win, I think that they're lying. I think when they say I want to win, I think they're saying that they want glory because they associate winning with glory instead of winning with working. Because when I say I want to win, I'm actually telling you I want to work really hard. Yeah, for sure, man. And you see that the guys in the gym that do well are the guys that are just consistently there. What do you, uh, would you, would you say that that's um, something Shavkat does? Shavkat's just a different breed, bro. He's like something else. I was with him when he fought uh, Carlston Harris. He was in Vegas. Brendan was fighting Sam Alvey on the same card. And uh, I was warming Sam help- Alvey. And, uh, I was helping Shavkat warm up. We all went for dinner before the fight. And, uh, He's just, how he is, it's like, he's like that 24 hours a day. How do you speak English with him? No, he doesn't speak English. Yeah, so did you get an interpreter? Yeah, there was someone there that could translate. But he's he's actually learning a few words now, you know? Good. Does he speak, does he speak Kazakh or does he speak Russian? He speaks Kazakh and and a bit of Russian, I believe, yeah. But like, these Kazakhs, man, he's a nomadic uh, tribe, you know, he's from. I saw America. the doco. They done a documentary. That'd be sick. The, the, Uf- the UFC did a connect, which is they do a little show where they show off three fighters and what they do. So let's say like they'll have an episode with Shavkat, and it shows him. You know, they didn't show him with the guns, unfortunately, but they showed him hanging out with all of his uh, nomads and moving places on horses and shit. And then, um, yeah, so so that was very interesting to see. He told me where I was at dinner with Shavkat and he, he was uh, explaining to me, he said he just had a son, right? And I was like, man, how do you have a son? He's like, I'll teach you. Uh, and he was saying like, if you want to have a son for three months before you try, he's like, you eat no carbs, you just eat uh, meat. He's like, no carbs, no dairy. You just what, eat for meat, the protein. Meat. I don't know. He's like, you meet, eat meat every day and lift heavy things every day and you'll have a son. And I, and I was like, really? And he's like, yes. <laughs> I don't Fuck know. If there's, there's some people out there that actually live like that and actually like they look at the sky and go, fuck, like today must be Thursday or some shit. You know what I mean? Like there's people that actually do shit like that. Dude, I love Shavka. He's a killer and he's so like, soft-spoken and well-mannered, but he's a killer, man. Like, I've cat, and you get kicked, and you're just like, you're like, who kicked me? Like, he could be standing right in front of you, and he's, like, kicking you, and you're like, uh, you have to turn around. Who kicked me? He's like, oh, it's Shavka. He's right in front of me. He's like, he's a video game, man. He's he's tall as well. I'm 6'4". He's, like, 6'3". He's, he's a tall boy. He's, he's, he's not fucking 6'3". He's, like, 6'1". Really? He's tall. Shavkat's tall to me. Check it. Check it out. Fact check me. All right. All right. Uh, the last time I checked, 
last time I checked, I fucking saw that he was 6'1". He, he had a very vast um, amateur MMA record. It was very long. Yeah, uh, he's 6'1". Oh, damn, really? My next question for you is still on the same topic. Do you believe that the matchup with Wonderboy is ill-advised? I think that this is the wrong thing to do for the UFC in general. I really like Wonderboy. I like Shavkat more, but I think it's a stupid match because if Shavkat runs through him, then you've just ruined Wonderboy's chances of ever having a title shot and going down as a legendary fighter. What you need to do is you need to pair them up against different people, get Wonderboy up against Leon, let Wonderboy lose, at least have a fucking chance there, and then let Shavkat run through fucking anyone else because he's going to do that to anyone else. There's no reason to ruin the hype of, uh, sorry, ruin the legendary status of a, of a beloved fighter. And on the other on the other side of the coin, if Wonderboy beats Shavkat, you've just ruined your number one fucking prospect for an old yeah. man who most likely won't win the belt. Yeah, I don't give a fuck about Wonderboy, bro. I've never been a fan. He's old um, as fuck. Um, he's, he's a great fighter, don't get me wrong. He's a freak, but... You're being biased. Darren Till beat you, you ain't worth a carrot. Oh my god. That's a star that's a star matchup, man. That's a star matchup, and you know that because fucking he drew what Darren Till. What what do you would you say? Tell me. What would Shavkat do to Darren Till? I mean, he could pick what he wants to finish him with. Yeah. And Darren Till beat he edged Wonderboy. Dropped him, right? Yeah, he dropped him in the fifth or some shit. Prime Wonderboy. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say prime. To be honest, it's very difficult to assess someone's prime right now. You can argue that he's in his prime. I don't know. We'll see. Don't don't, don't be don't be don't be surprised if Wonderboy has a very good performance against Shavkat. It will be a very good fight, but don't be surprised if Shavkat doesn't keep his one hundred percent finish rate. Wonderboy is hard to beat. <laughs> He's re- and that being said, like that Darren Till fight was bullshit anyway. It was in Liverpool. Darren Till was the biggest hype train ever. He didn't beat no one. I'd never heard of him. He was like 5-0 in the UFC. I'd never heard of him. The decision. <laughs> Fuck, you're terrible. Crazy. You're terrible. You're, 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 you're fucking terrible. You, <laughs> you're, <laughs> no one Everyone's a hype train. Shit. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to make the fucking reels of this and have you say fucking everyone shit. And... They are, bro. Everyone's a bunch of can crushers. Like, even heard of, uh, do you know Nikita Krylov? Yeah, I like Nikita. He's finished like all of his opponents, dude. He's got like a ninety percent finish rate. He's a great fighter now, but like, if you look at his record, he had sixteen fights in like six months, and these guys are untraceable, like in dude, Ukraine. Dude. That is okay. I don't see that as being like, oh, look, he hasn't fought anyone. He's just prepping to get good. You don't need to no, worry no. about those fights. No, I'm just to get in the UFC, he fought 16 0 0 guys. Go look on Nikita Krilov's oh, record. Oh, I see. To get and into the UFC. All right, that makes more sense. I can't even click on the guys. It's so annoying. Like, So there's so many guys that come up can crushing. Like, Darren Till was the same. You look at Darren Till's record, he fought all these fights in Brazil. Like, to quickly get to the UFC. Then he got a few decisions and fought for the title. Then everyone's like, oh, Darren Till fell off. I'm like, he was never that good. 
they're going to say the same shit about Paddy. When Paddy starts getting smashed, they're going to be like, oh, damn, he fell off. No, he was. He just never fought anyone yet. Do you think that matchup with Charlie Ferguson's bullshit? I don't know. That's going to be a close fight. <laughs> if people it's a close been, fight, that's fucked. Yeah, people have been murking Tony, so I don't know, man. I like Paddy. Like, I've chilled with Paddy. Paddy's a fucking a joker. I like Paddy. I see. What's he, what's he like? They're nuts. Him and Molly together are fucking insane. They're absolutely insane. They're uncontrollable. Like, I've been in America for six years. I was with them in Phoenix. And, like, they're just here on visas, like, chilling. And they were, like, running the whole fucking town. Like, everyone, the cops, everyone, like, they had everyone on Smash. And I was like, fuck, bro. I, I don't even behave like this and I live here. They're just on fucking visas on vacation here going to the fights. And it's like they own the fucking place. That sounds yeah, fucking hectic. I want to ask you final question. Have a funny story. Go on, go cage, on. Cage side, it was Phoenix. So it was uh, Charles Oliveira v. Skechi. And Mackenzie Dern was there. She's divorced now, but at the time he was her husband, right? That surfer guy, Brazilian guy. He's there. And Molly, obviously, she's uh, she's a lesbian, right? She's like putting her arm around Mackenzie Dern, sweet talking Mackenzie Dern. <laughs> and uh, Mackenzie Dern's husband at the time was like getting mad at, at Molly and Molly's shit faced. She'd been downing beers and drinking and, and she was like, what? <laughs> like, I'm bad at you. The Mackenzie Dern's husband, it was the funniest thing. I was like, oh my God, this tiny woman will beat the shit out of your husband and, and he's chatting up your bird. So funny. <laughs> but it was funny. I was dying. <laughs> And I love that girl. She's such a legend. As I said, my final question for you is, do you get nervous fighting anymore? Bro, everyone asked me that question. Uh, no, I'm attached to the outcome. I want to win. Like, I'm aware of the what losing does. It knocks you back. You could get hurt. You don't want to get injured because it's just such an inconvenience. But the fight itself, I'm not nervous at all about the violence. Like, I don't know. It's just a fight, isn't it? It's like what we do every fucking day. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I'm just attached to the outcome. I feel like if I can make it to the UFC, I won't be so attached to the outcome. Like, because it's a goal of mine to get there. If, if I can get to the UFC, I'll really enjoy it. And the fights, I, I can't wait to go out there, get hurt or not. I just want to bang, put on for the fans at the highest level. It'll be epic. I feel like I won't have any attachment to the outcome i just want to fucking brawl and just do my best you know that's all we have time for ladies and gentlemen thank you so much tuco for coming on the show is there any final remarks you want to say to the fans at home as we wrap up the podcast today just keep an eye on uh on my career on my social media hopefully i can get to the ufc this year and uh have some good scraps for you guys man thanks for watching Follow Tuco on Instagram, link in the description, and listen to Anything Combat on Spotify. See you guys next time.